As we continue um, in these Sundays after Easter, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. As we celebrated the resurrection of Christ um, on Easter Sunday, last Sunday we were mindful of the, the parable of the four soils, that, that we have this good news of the word sown into our lives. But sometimes those words get snatched away by the devil. It's like birds taking seed off of a path. And it never sinks in. We never have the time to notice. Other times in life, um, we get busy. And the concerns and the busy schedules overwhelm us. And it just kind of gets choked out. Still, other times, um, we shoot up fast and we're excited and we're ready to change the world. But it doesn't last. It doesn't last. It's like seed planted in rocky soil that, that just doesn't have enough root to continue. And still other moments in our lives, that seed takes root and yields a bountiful harvest. Throughout all of our lives, God will continue to sow seed. And throughout different parts of our lives, we are those four different soils. We take a turn being each one, and we hope that more often than not, that, that God, is, um, his word has taken root, and there's something being yielded out of our life. That's what we hope for. And we also know God's grace will abound as we get brought back time and time again. But with those things in mind, knowing that we're each one, the faithful one here is God who continues to sow, continues to, to put the word in our life time and time again. Then how do we hold on to it? How do we steward it well? For that reason, we're going to turn today to James 1. James is the wisdom book of the New Testament. It is a letter full of of one-liners and short pieces of wisdom, and also this, this bigger arc of how should our lives manifest and show God's transforming grace. And so we'll pay attention today to how we speak, how we act, and does this reflect God's grace and love in our lives. So I invite you to um, join with me as we read James 1, 19 through 21. But before we do so, we pray for God's blessing upon the word. And after the reading of God's word, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And I invite you, if grateful, to respond, thanks be to God. Before we, before we read, let's pray. God, you continue to sow the seed of your word in our life. Through seasons that we don't always get it or pay attention. Through seasons that come and go. Through seasons where we're busy and through seasons that we have a harvest to offer you, that your word has taken root, the word that you planted in us. Lord, we thank you for all of this. We pray now that you open our hearts and minds to, to what it is that you would have us hear and take away and how it will change us to be more like you, Jesus, and to be ambassadors of the gospel, of the resurrection of, the son, of your son, Jesus Christ. Speak, O Lord, for we, your servants, listen. Amen. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. 
and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That sentence by itself is just good wisdom to hold on to, to pay attention to what it is that people said, but also pay attention to what they mean. That we might be quick to judge and jump to knowing that if we're, we think we might be quick to listen, but what about the times where we think we heard it? We think we got it. We didn't respond too fast, but we didn't connect with what was actually said. We maybe made some meaning along the way. We maybe misunderstood. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I asked Caitlin uh, for permission to use this particular story of us maybe not understanding each other because we made different meaning of certain words. Some of you know that we have an absolutely horrible, wretched house cat named Dahlia. It is a terrible cat with a horrible personality. I wanted a German Shepherd. I got a cat with a German Shepherd personality. It's territorial and mean. And you know, most cats are supposed to like run away when they're scared. If we have people over and the cat's not having it, she'll jump on the island and try to swat people's hands when they try to get food. It's a mean cat. Well, before we had Ada, no kids, so we could endure the, the obnoxious cat for some reason. And we agreed in word that we were going to have a zero-tolerance policy. Because we had been warned by some of you here, you know, cats reacting to to babies, it can be bad news. So we agreed on a zero-tolerance policy. If the cat shows any kind of aggression towards our daughter, the cat will be gone. And we agreed on that in word. We were quick to listen thoughtful to speak, and nobody was angry about this. We agreed that if the cat did anything bad to Ada, didn't matter how minor, that the cat would be gone. Here's the problem. We meant really different things by that word, gone. And at some point or another, I might have mentioned like, oh yeah, I didn't have to, you know, give the cat a 22 caliber forever nap. And that's when it was this realization that we meant different things. Kids like, we're going to kill it? It's like, yeah, we agreed that it would be gone. I grew up on a farm. I meant really, we made really different meaning about that word. Caitlin's response was, I thought we meant we would like rehome it to someone. I was like, who do you hate that much? <laughs> you can't give this cat to anybody. We meant different things by the word gone. We were quick to listen, so we thought. We were slow and thoughtful to speak, to to come to agreement together, and nobody was angry. And yet we can still miss the point of what the other person is saying. And and James is, is one book in the 66 books of the Bible that I think pushes a really big emphasis on how we communicate and how we connect with other people that it is so easy for us to misunderstand one another. And this plays out in all kinds of ways throughout our world, but it's local and global. We can misunderstand one another. Things can be said, 
that we thought were totally fine that we spoke, and yet someone takes great offense at our words. And we're trying to figure out why. We are people who make meaning. We make meaning of words and events. Think of it this way, if you will. If, if there is an event that happens, maybe something that someone does or says, immediately we are people with amazing brains that God has given us, and when something happens, words are spoken, an action takes place, we have immediate thoughts and feelings about those words or actions. And I'm not here to tell you that, oh, well, the thoughts are better than the feelings. No, they're both valuable in different ways. The same feelings of, of anxiety that we get about an email that we don't like is the same thing that keeps us safe if we see something dangerous. Although I'm reminded that some people don't think that snakes are such a big deal because somebody found a snake this week and was standing outside my office door with it. Truegers. Mm, but we have legitimate feelings that keep us safe, that protect us. But that also gets wired up that sometimes we think someone's coming after us and we make meaning. We thought we were being quick to listen, but we have made meaning about what their words are and that it's an attack. And those same things that are instincts that keep us safe in terms of mortal danger get activated to keep us safe from someone who's coming after us. And we have thoughts. We interpret events. We make meaning of things. Words or actions take place. We have thoughts and feelings. And out of our thoughts and feelings, we make meaning about what has taken place. And then we take our meaning, and we are really good as humans at reinforcing that our meaning is right. That every piece of evidence says our meaning that we made of this event is right. And then we read that meaning back into the event. We look back on it knowing that our meaning was correct. That I was right and that we all agreed about what gone meant. But we can be wrong, because we can make the wrong meaning. And this is where I think the, the big push of James, if a starting level is just, hey, be quick to listen, quick to, slow to speak, slow to become angry, that is a good starting point. But then also that quick to listen means be aware of the meaning that you're making, of people's actions and words around you. Be quick to listen, to actually understand, where is this coming from? And be quick to know, is there meaning that I'm making in this situation? That I might be making it something that it is not. We are meaning-making people. And our hearts jump quickly to make sure that we understand the event and that we know what people mean by what they say, that we know what people mean by what they did. Those thoughts and feelings go together. I wonder if in James, when we're told that we don't, for one, we don't produce, our human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It's a reminder that sometimes our anger is not as justifiable as we think. But the meaning that we make and that we hold to dearly is that our anger is justifiable and right and correct. We want to make that meaning, and we want to hold to it. And James reminds us that, you know, sometimes when we lose our tempers and get frustrated, we are so assured that we're right. And yet, we might be off key, because only God is omniscient to know the intent of every thought and action. We don't produce the righteousness that God desires when we get angry 
A lot of times it might be from our own meaning making. And we're told to get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. This word is the seed of the gospel sown throughout our lives. We want it to take root. But that moral filth and evil, I wonder if we might observe that the word prejudice fits in that camp as well. That prejudice as a word is to prejudge something. To take the meaning that we have already made about someone or something and to prejudge anything else that happens around that. So, this can happen from something simple and innocent. There might be that one coworker who's just annoying and you get an email from them, hey, did you forget about this? It might be a simple reminder, but we've made meaning that, that they're the bad guy. And so our defensive nature is in play that, oh, they're always bothering people. They're always second-guessing people. Our meaning-making will go awry. I wonder about the words, when will you be home? Those aren't universally understood words. Think of the different ways in which those words, when will you be home, could be interpreted and the different meanings that we could make of the words. Maybe not being quick to listen or slow to speak, but quick to make meaning. If it's a teenager getting that text from their parents, when will you be home? There might be a quick feeling of panic that we have done something wrong. And we might be thinking, was I given instructions about curfew or something else that I'm supposed to be home for? And we will make the meaning that we're in trouble. It could be simple curiosity on behalf of parents. Hey, when will you be home? But we make meaning about the words. We can make meaning that we're in trouble. We can make meaning that we better hurry home. We could also make the meaning that our parents are just always bothering us, always just never taking a moment to leave us alone and let us live our life. We can make that meaning too. Hmm. When will you be home? The same words from a spouse to another spouse could take on a whole different meaning. It could be so happy as, oh, they missed me. Or it could be, what did I forget? We make all kinds of meaning of words and actions. And if we're not careful, the meaning that we make, our prejudices, this moral filth that's within us, can color every interaction with every person that we have prejudged and pre-labeled. And so some people can ask us hard questions, and we are readily open and available for it. And others, we will shut them down because some of our meaning-making has already happened. And we will fail to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because what we've really become is quick to listen to reinforce the meaning we've already made, slow to speak because we're choosing our words carefully around this person around whom we've made lots of meaning already, and slow to become angry because we can sulk later because we already know that we're right about them or the other. These words, the meaning that we make, the actions that take place, small things add up over time. And this is true at a very practical level. Of marriages, of parenting, of friendships, of coworkers. We make meaning about people's intents and assumptions and actions. And we do it pretty naturally. What does being quick to listen really look like? 
Quick to listen means the first thing we have to do is pay attention to the word spoken, certainly, but also being just as quick to listen to what is our heart inclined to already tell us about this or that person. Are they a bother? Are they intrusive? Do they care about us or not care about us? Are they helping us or are they nagging us yet again? All kinds of meaning that we can make. And we do this with people. It'll prevent us from ever giving some people a fair chance at being heard out. Use an example of being reminded of something. When you're reminded of something, what meaning do you make? Maybe you forgot, but if someone reminds you of something, are they bothering you or are they helping you? Meaning making. And I bet the circumstance is going to be most affected on if they're helping you or bothering you by reminding you is going to be based on who the person is that's doing the reminding. And know that if we're doing all this in our head, making all of this meaning as we go, it's also happening to people that we interact with to us. That many of us here know each other pretty well. We've known each other maybe a few, few years, a few weeks, either way. We've maybe made some meaning. And that you might have a predisposed notion of if Pastor Stephen approaches me, what do you already think of me? And how will it shape and affect whatever I say to you? Maybe not from up here, this is a little bit different, but interpersonally. We are meaning makers. And relationships at all levels, friendships, coworkers, marriages, parents and children, our relationships get hijacked by meaning making. It is the breakdown of dialogue and and our meaning-making can be the failure of ever seeing James 1.19 happen in real time. Because we hold on to our meaning. It's to get rid of the moral filth, that yuck within us that we'll hold on to, our prejudgments about people around us. Now, not all of our prejudgments are even negative. There are people that we love that we will readily have any conversation with them at any time because we have prejudged that they are a good, trustworthy, safe, and loving person. They never nag us, even if they remind us about things. They're never interrogating us, even if they ask hard questions. They're never judging us. Sometimes we can make positive meaning about people. And this isn't all bad. And sometimes our negative meaning is to keep us safe. There are times where events have harmed us, where we have been traumatized and hurt, and we have made some meaning to keep us safe by instinct, to prevent us from getting hurt again. So it's not all bad. It's not all good. But I would say these simple words of James and this call is incredibly complex. Think about the people you're going to interact with this week. What do you already think of them? Because what you already think of them will have a great impact on how you hear them, on how you speak to them, on how you act and react to and around them. And we will do this all the time. Our anger, our, our grudges, don't achieve the righteousness of God. I think about with Warren Brower's funeral. He wanted John 3, 16 preached, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall be saved. 
to eternal life. It's that God loved the world. Not that God held a grudge and turned his back on the world. Not that God got annoyed with the world and gave it a time out. Not that God got cynical with the world and minimized its pain. But that God loved the world enough to be committed to it and to send his only son to transform the world through him. God loves the world. And we are called to love God and love our neighbor. And all of our little prejudgments, our little prejudices, though sometimes necessary for safety, can also get in the way of true relationship, of truly being quick to listen to what someone means and intends, even if they didn't say it well, or even if we've got some baggage that we're not giving them a fair audience, of being slow to speak, not because we're trying to choose our words carefully and strategically, but because we're mindful that we don't want people to make the wrong meaning of our words, and that we are slow to become angry, because it won't probably be all that helpful. Friends, words and actions will always evoke thoughts and feelings from us, and we will make meaning from them. What is the most charitable meaning that you can make? How is it that the gospel transforms the meaning that we make of those around us? And do we choose to be quick to listen so that we can try to see our neighbor through the lens by which God sees them, even just a glimpse of who they really are. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. As we just sang in O Four A Thousand Tongues to Sing, our great Redeemer's praise. Maybe James gives us a little bit of the, not the, if you know someone says something bad, you say, you kiss your mother with that mouth? But rather the, do you praise your God with that mouth? With those words? with that thought and attitude in your heart? This is where James calls for a calm and measured place. And if we want to fill it out, we pay attention to our hearts, which are so good at making meaning and holding on to it. And so often, because we are marked by sin, can make us so slow to forgive, so slow to give the benefit of the doubt, and so slow to release our grudges. But there is good news. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And the meaning that God has made about us is that we are worthy of love. We are worthy recipients of Christ's salvation. And we are worthy ambassadors to share the good news of the gospel with the world. May we make that meaning about God's meaning for us. And may it transform us one day at a time one thought at a time, one word at a time, until Christ shall return or call us home. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ways in which you have created our minds to help keep us safe from danger and harm, for the instincts that you have given us that are good. We thank you for these things. Lord, we also ask that you keep us humble, Allow us to be self-aware and reflective and thoughtful that you might help us to see the world as you see it. Lord, you have forgiven us. May we also find in our hearts to forgive others. Lord, you listen to our prayers. May we be quick to listen to our neighbor and quick to listen 
for your voice about our neighbor. Lord, sometimes you are slow to speak when we pray and we're waiting for your answer, for your response, for your direction. Lord, those are hard times too. But may we also be slow to speak, not out of indifference or inaction, but out of thoughtfulness. Lord, there is a time and place for anger, but calm our hearts so that our anger does not put us sideways or give reason for us to misrepresent our character or the witness of the church. May we be slow to anger because we choose and are given the grace by you to make a different meaning of this world and to make a meaning that allows us to love our neighbor. In the name of Jesus, we pray.